Welcome back to Ready, Set, Scale, a ScanSource podcast series focused on how to buy, sell, and use technology solutions in different markets. In today's episode, we'll speak with Mary Schlegelmilk, Business Development Manager, Education at Cisco. Thank you to our Education Vertical Sponsors, Cisco, Hanwha, Jabra, Microsoft, Poly, and Tyco Exact. Stay tuned to learn more about how these sponsors can help you discover new opportunities in education. Welcome, Mary. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. For our listeners today, let's get started. Can you help them better understand what your current position is today at Cisco? Absolutely. I think I have the best job at Cisco. As a former educator, I came over to Cisco about 10 years ago from being in district leadership. And my job is to really help our customers and our sales teams work together. And you say, well, what does that mean? Well, what it's really thinking is how are we making our tools, our technologies better for our education customers? And sometimes we need to have a liaison that goes between our sales teams and our customers to help them with these technologies. Sometimes it's in the adoption of the technologies like in video conferencing and using video endpoints, cameras, and things like that in the classroom. Sometimes it's in our security technologies and and helping school districts understand why we have some of the security protocols in place and where we have them. But then many times it's listening to our customers saying, hey, we need this for the education industry. And I then translate that back into our company. So I look at myself pretty much as a liaison between our customers and the sales teams and our technology teams. Great. And it sounds like a little bit of a translator for everyone as well. So a little bit of everything. So kind of being a a liaison and an expert on working with a lot of different groups and hearing what our partners and what their customers are looking for, what has been the most surprising change in education over the last year? Well, this is a fantastic question because I think that in no fault of anybody, but we were screaming for the need of technology and education. We realized both at a community level, a school level, and within corporate levels, the need for good quality technology for the teaching and learning environment. And in that, I'm meaning, do we have the content? Do we have the means in which to get that last mile to the home environment? But also, do we have that ability to have the digital curriculum at the ready for teachers? With that, I think that we also need to talk about the professional development of teachers and the need that really came about is, you know, our teachers had digital content that they kept in their own folders or there may have been some structure at the district. But many times when we said, hey, we have to go online Now we needed engaging content and the professional development of the faculty to be able to teach through this different modality of a video platform. Which that actually is one of the things that I have not heard about lately. So I'm really glad you're bringing this up, even as far as where people have been storing information, organization, and overall just trying to create a more collaborative space for everybody that's involved. So obviously things have changed in the last year. And so let's talk about hybrid learning and hybrid work within school systems and districts, both talking about the K through 12 and higher education. 
to you, how has this changed the overall learning environment? It is such a dramatic change because now we are looking at ways in which we can better not to just support our teachers, but to support students when they are in a asynchronous environment as well as a synchronous video type of environment. So we won't be able to go back to what we can consider normal. And, you know, that's an old adage frame that some people are saying, are we going to go back to normal or is there a new normal? I think what we're really going to do is reimagine and, and reinvent or evolve education. And so doing that, it really is a platform of software and the help of the professional development of the faculty to really think about what does teaching look like in this new future that we are going to be going into. We know we have augmented reality. We have the ability to have analytics tell us things about how long students watched a video or how long students were engaged before they clicked on another website within their device and things like that. So now how can we bring all those technologies together to really better that teaching and learning environment? And I think that this will be an evolving type of change. But as we look at this hybrid learning, we're trying to figure out, well, what is that? And we're even getting a lot of new terms out there, hybrid, blended, high flex, remote. I mean, there's so many different terms that many times when I engage with the district, I ask that question, what are your district's definitions of these terms so that we're always all on the same page? Because it's a continuum between totally asynchronous and totally synchronous, whether it's synchronous in person or synchronous remote? And what's that variant along that line of what we consider to be hybrid, blended, and remote? Does that make sense? It does. And one of the ones you had mentioned, was it HyFlex? Yes. I had not heard that. What is that one exactly? So that's really using the word hybrid and a flexible learning environment and bringing it together. And so some schools are looking at it as more of that blended environment with that option of having students come in remotely. And that's why it's important when we work with the schools across our country. And, and actually, it's a global, you know, Cisco's a global company that we ask these questions. What are your districts or your institution's definitions, learning models, so that we can really tailor the conversation so that there isn't that confusion of what we're talking about? Got it. And you had also mentioned some of the technology that is being utilized. So what does some of this technology structure look like when trying to create a hybrid or similar type classroom environment? And how does that affect video infrastructure? Good question. So I think one thing that we look at is in the classroom itself, and we have in-person students or an in-person teacher and maybe some remote, we have to look at good video endpoints. This is cameras in the room that can, through that ability of AI, follow that teacher wherever they may be because that camera can recognize through facial recognition software, eyes, nose, mouth, and find the active speaker in the room. It also goes in tandem with finding the students as they are talking, because really we want to create a environment, a community of learning, just like we would as if everybody was sitting in the seats in the classroom. So we want to make sure that the students that are remote understand or can see the students that are talking in class, as well as we want the students that are in present in the classroom to be able to see the students that are remote. 
it used to be years and years ago that when we talked about distance education and students could come in remotely, they were almost like a selected class that was in the back of the room and we did not know who was all there. They were just listening in. Well, now it's really about how do we create an engaging environment? And so now we look at video. We look at, do we have good microphones that are mounted in the ceilings to make that conversation easy and not in the tabletops where they could hear ruffling of papers and things like that? But also, how can we now use some of the analytics that are within the software platforms that are in the infrastructure to be able to say, who are the students that are there, present? How long have they been in class? How long did they log in? What are some of the things that they have been contributing to class time? These are all important technology structures that we have to think about. To do this, you have to have a good back-end infrastructure, a good wireless infrastructure for the network so that we don't have to worry about everybody connecting wired their devices in that classroom. But we also want to think about the connectivity going to the school buildings themselves and as well to the students last mile if they're coming in from home, work, or wherever they may be in the world. I mean, we now have the ability that you can truly attend class almost from anywhere. And I think that's what's really exciting. But we have to really understand that infrastructure piece of it, because we say that we can be wireless in a classroom, but in the back end of that, there is some wired connectivity to make it all work. Now, Mary, I think what you just described is kind of the perfect segue into diving a little bit more into another important consideration, which is that digital divide. So help our audience to understand what needs to be taken into account when faculty and staff do not have access to connectivity. This is such a great question. And I think if anything that this pandemic has really brought to life is that digital inequity that is out there, not only for students into the home, but also for employees and parents and the community as a whole. And so when we really look at digital equity, we're looking at can students connect in a good connection to where they're able to transmit video and submit assignments and consume synchronous and asynchronous video. But we also think about teachers, and I want us to also think about in education as many times our workforce, our administrative assistants, and those that work in many of the offices, maybe it would be payroll or purchasing or whatever, is when we sent everybody home, we had to consider what kind of connectivity do they have in their home environment, but also what kind of device is in the home environment. And so this really brought to light the digital inequity that is out there. And so I'm encouraged because through many different programs and thinking carefully with our community leaders, we can start to solve that problem. Because sometimes they may have connectivity to a certain level, but it sometimes maybe is just the last 10 feet. And in some communities as a whole, they may not have any type of connectivity, but what they've had with their cellular devices. And we know that a cellular device is good, but is it enough to really provide the support of the software systems that are needed to be in a teaching and learning environment? Well, and I can tell you the answer is 
not always <laughs> a yes, because even just working remotely here, there's been a couple of times where if I move outside of my office area, I don't have good connectivity and I'm on video calls all day. And um, I've tried to supplement that with utilizing my cell phone or the hotspot off of it. And it does not work the way that you want it to. So, yeah, absolutely. And I think we can think about this really as a whole community needs to be behind a solution. It may be fiber, but in the last mile, even within your own homes, do you have to have a booster for your wireless signal? As I looked at my daughter with her four children, they can't all be in the same room where the router is, right? Where that access point is. They need to be in their rooms. And so therefore, they needed to have a booster in certain areas of the house. So we have to consider things like that. But in some communities, we have to think that we may have a solution that might be fiber to some areas, but we might be looking at that private LTE, or maybe it's 5G, or just even thinking about the CBRS, that Citizens Band radio segment. What do we need for that community? So it's not something that one person can really solve the problem by themselves. I think it is something that the whole community gets behind. And by whole community, I'm talking about the city, the county, the school district, as well as the businesses of that whole community. Because for a really thriving economy within a community, all of those players, all of those stakeholders need to be at the table to solve these issues. I love that. Thank you for that advice. And hopefully some of our listeners today might be able to take that advice and make an impact with it. So Pivoting just slightly as we kind of wrap up our segment today, as we think about schools, security is always a very important feature. So what are some security features that schools need to consider now for the new normal? And what are some benefits of these new features? Security, cybersecurity, I'm going to talk about as probably one of the underlying piece that we're thinking about with any solution, technology solution that we're putting into place. And the importance of this is so vital because of student records. We have HIPAA and FERPA that are really helping us make sure that we're keeping student records secure. But then we also have to think about employee records, teachers and faculty and staff in these institutions, but also think about the past employees as well, because their records are still really vital and important. And there's nothing like a pandemic I say to let people that are the bad actors in the world to kind of try and take advantage of us and look for those places where they can get in. So we have to look at securing our cloud applications, whether they're public cloud applications, meaning the student information systems, the learning management systems, maybe they're private applications that we can keep in a private cloud, but then also securing that data center that is on-prem. So all of those things are really important. Now, I also want to make sure that I'm an advocate for the teachers and students as well when they start thinking about securing student and teacher devices. And when that device hits the school network, is it a secure device? Is it going to pass anything as bad files back into our network? And so we're always wanting to make sure that multi-factor authentication is really important. I've worked with one school and they said, oh, it's just really difficult to have multi-factor authentication. But I say, well, think about it. Once you get it set up, it really helps teachers keep a password longer if you use multi-factor authentication. So 
I encourage all of our education institutions to make sure that security is always the foundation of the network and not an add-on so that we don't have those holes or those places in which those bad actors in the world get in and get at the data. Because student data privacy, employee data privacy is vital. Well, Mary, thank you so much for joining us today on Ready, Set, Scale and for sharing your thoughts on how the education vertical is changing and what trends we can expect to see in the future. It's been very nice getting to know you and hearing your thoughts. Thank you so much for the invite. I appreciate it. And it was a pleasure. And now a message from our sponsors. Today's episode is sponsored by Cisco, Hanwha, Jabra, Microsoft, Poly, and Tyco Exact. Education systems changed and adapted during the pandemic, switching from in-school teaching to remote and hybrid options. Now, as May students begin returning to their classrooms, new processes and technologies are required, especially in places where hybrid classes will continue. With the many changes in the education industry, we at ScanSource know that it's imperative to have available resources and the necessary solutions to support students and staff. Check out all the solutions you need and more at www dot scansource.com backslash education program. I really hope you enjoyed spending time with us today. Be sure to join us again for our next episode of Ready, Set, Scale. And in the meantime, let us know if you have any questions or any suggestions for future podcast topics by going to scansource.com backslash RSS question. I'd love to hear from you. 